listening to Hawks Insiders, home of quality analysis, special features, match recaps, interviews, and so much more. Follow us on Substack for extended coverage of all things brown and gold. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another Hawks Insiders player rating podcast. This one comes after an incredibly disappointing 18-9-117-7-6-48 loss by the Hawks to the Dockers, uh, a weekend that started filled with hope and ended with that hope completely and utterly out in flames or the flames were put out, uh, I should say. We will go through it and we will um, break down player by player. We had toyed with the idea of potentially changing it up to keep it a little bit more positive, but we know deep down you have an, everybody here has an inner Brad Klebanski and they want a little bit of negativity in their lives. So we're going to go through and my co-hosts this evening are going to tear it apart limb by limb. And I'm really, really happy and excited to be joined by my two co-hosts. Uh, firstly and foremost, uh, Andrew Weiss. Welcome from sunny Ormond, East Brighton, Caulfield, somewhere in that area, depending somewhere, on how you feel today. Somewhere in, in that area and depending who who we're talking to, Prinzi. But um, no, look, I think, let's be honest, to, to half time, there was enough that we saw that we were happy and, and the second half was a disaster. So uh, I get the feeling that that little bit of negativity that you're asking for tonight uh, might actually be a bucket load. So we'll see, we'll see how we're going. But um, yeah, could be a could be a sad and sorry one tonight. I left the volume of negativity up to you guys and I will. Um, Daz, how are we feeling about it? Welcome to you. Welcome, guys. Um, I mean, I think I think at one point I, I said to you, EC, on the WhatsApp that it was actually exciting. Um, and that was probably, you know, deep into the second quarter. So we I, I really enjoyed moments of that of that first half. The the second half, and I don't know what is going on with this team in third quarters. It's um I, I was trying to trying to find a funny tweet to put out, you know, premiership quarter, maybe the sinking ship quarter for us really at the moment, because everything goes wrong. I think they kicked four goals to nothing. It's just, I don't, I don't know what's going on and why we can't come out after halftime and just implodes from there. So yeah, looking forward to unpacking it with you boys tonight. Absolutely. And, um, just to wrap the match up a little bit before we get into the player uh, pods, as you touched on before, um, the Hawks started pretty well and it wasn't a bad game. Um, there were uh, probably signs of what was to come a little bit in terms of the um, poor turnovers, just some dumb decision-making here and there, but they hung in there. And as, as you mentioned, early in the second quarter, they were down by, I believe it was seven points, um, six or seven points and looked up for it. And then, you know, Frio started to kick away and then the inevitable third quarter happened. Um, and yeah, just, it just really didn't come back from that. We see. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. Um, I think you've absolutely nailed it. And, you know, I, I fall in line with what Daz was talking about before, so certainly to half time. And, and you look at the opportunities that we had, 
we could very well have been winning at, at the main break and we dominated in the center we had plenty of it um and obviously couldn't convert but then we got absolutely ripped apart by let's be honest a team that are certainly for the first seven weeks of the season i think two and five was their record playing some really shocking footy um and we got absolutely torn a new one so yeah, I think you're right as well there, Prinzi. Um, there's a fair bit uh, to unpack from it and, and quite a bit to be learned to, to use moving forward. Daz, before we get into it, I want to ask you, I know that Frio's record so far this year hasn't been great and we seem to be um, a team that is really good at playing teams into form. Um, but I think their record actually is not a fair reflection of of. Fremantle's list and their overall talent should they have won this game by the margin that they did oh absolutely uh, I mean I, I I don't think I was as optimistic as you you we seen that in that first quarter it just seemed like there were a lot of balls going over the top and a lot of easy goals and I just thought any minute that the damn wall would break and 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 it, it surely did and Got a lot of really exciting young players. I love the look of Frederick. I love um, what Jaya Miss was doing. Just had his own ball at times and was just marking up and marking everything on the half forward line. So, yeah, they're they're an exciting side, Frio, and I think I think we're probably going to see them make a real push um, towards towards back end of the season because they've got a lot of talent. Obviously, Brayshaw and those names. So, um, you know, they're a quality side. All right, let's get into it. Um, let's not waste any more time. We'll start at the top as we do. Um, Ash tells us off if we don't start at number one. So Harry Morrison um, finished as the highest fantasy scorer for the Hawks in this game, which I found incredibly surprising. Um, I'm going to lead off with you, Daz. Uh, 24 touches, uh, seven, 17 and seven with eight marks and four tackles and 15 pressure acts and 551 meters gained. Can you tell us your thoughts on Harry last night? Well, uh, I don't play fantasy football. Uh, I've got no idea how that, that all those things are calculated, but yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure. Um, I don't think it was a good game for, for Harry and he's been a really polarizing play. He's one of the players in the gun every single week from supporters. And that was just one of those games where you, you can really understand why he does a lot of, there, there's some really, really good moments. I think he um, hit Mitch Lewis maybe on the lead with a beautiful pass late, late on in the game, but there's just so many frustrating moments that you expect more from, for, from a senior player. And he would have been really disappointed in that game, Harry. And I still think he'll keep his spot because I think Sam really rates his uh, leadership and seniority, but um, it's it's another really disappointing game. And um, a rating? No, I'm going to give him a four and a half. Awesome. Moving on to the uh, returning or formerly returning Mitch Lewis, um, the 11 touches, seven and four, six marks, three tackles. He kicked two goals. Um not as imposing as last week, we see, but um, still positive signs from from Mitch in his uh, in his return from his uh, his knee injury. 
Yeah, I think there's probably two um, two reasons why he can be excused. One is that he is still on the return, as you as you mentioned from that injury, and and the second is, you know, that the disposal up forward was at times like the disposal up forward of old, either bombing it long, uh, and it is automatically behind in the contest or up against multiple defenders. Um, but uh, I mean, the difficulty was he looked really good to halfway through the second term and he, he'd already kicked a couple of goals. So the unfortunate thing is from that point on, he didn't hit the scoreboard from a goal point of view. Those 11 touches were at 100% disposal efficiency. W what I did like is that he seemed to try really hard to keep in the game. So he wasn't kicking goals, but he was tackle tackling... He was imposing his body and, you know, compared to a couple of other our other forwards that we'll get into, I, I think he tried a lot harder um, and will only be better for it. So I gave him a five and a half out of 10. Number three, Jai Newcomb, 20 with nine and 11, uh, three marks, three tackles, 372 metres gained, and I think four total clearances for the game. Daz, how did you rate Jai's output this weekend? Yeah, it wasn't an uh, uh, incredibly dominant game from Jai, but I think he's gelling really well in, at the moment with that midfield mix where you've got Walpole and you've got Day and you've got... Um, Connor Nash as well. And I think they all sort of complementing each other really well. So pretty low possession numbers, but I, I think he did get involved in, in a lot of good stuff. And, um, you know, it, it he's not going to tear uh, every game apart. He's, he's 30 odd games into his AFL career. We, we kind of forget that with Jai because he bursts onto the scene so quickly, but um, you know, it's just, it's just another game in his, his development really. Um, but, you know, I'd, I'd like to see him um, kind of just get back to really backing himself. Um, I think he, I think he, I mean, he kicked a uh, one goal, didn't he? And it just shows that he, you know, he, he really, you know, he's, he's, he's got an eye for goal. He's a good set shot, likes kicking goals. And I'd, I'd really just like to see him be a bit more of an offensive threat. Um, so I'm going to give him a five. Moving on to number four, Jarman Impey. He had 15 with nine and six, three marks, three tackles. He went at 80% disposal efficiency, just the one turnover for Jars and 236 metres gained. So a little bit down on um, previous weeks and, and sort of the run and carry he's given us this year. How did you see his performance, we see? Yeah, I, I completely agree. I think it was um, not as good as some of the other games that he has played, but was still decent enough to, um, you know, when you patch it together with his body of work this year, he's having a pretty good season. Uh, I think the other difficulty is, like, our backline was so bad. So even when you start pulling out individual elements that are good, Actually, what we need to be considering is how that works in with the, the rest of the defensive unit. So um, from that point of view, he was okay without being outstanding. Um, I would be giving him a five and a half. Um, I think he gets that pass, move on to next week. 
Moving on to James Warple, uh, 25 touches for Warp, 16 and 9. Uh, two marks and three tackles. He went at below 50% disposal efficiency, 48% for the game. He had nine turnovers, um, 10 contested uh, possessions, uh, 353 metres gained, and he had six clearances. Um, Weesey, I'm going to go back to you on this one. Um, I would like to hear your thoughts on James Warple's game and how he fit in the midfield. And, and, especially I'd, I'd like to hear your thoughts on the disposal efficiency. And we got a lot of comments to the Hawks insiders, Twitter account to my personal Twitter account that Warple shouldn't be in there because he can't hit a target by foot. Your thoughts. I'm just trying to work out if this is uh you need some help backing up warps or, you know, that sis is next off the rank and you, and you know where Daz. I need the, I, I need the venom. I need the venom from Daz next <laughs> yeah, up. Right. Um, Look, I've seen some of the comments and some of the conversations you've had over the last 24 hours on Twitter and, um, you know, we've only known each other for a couple of years, Princey, so this isn't about uh, just going going out to support your fellow Hawks insider, but some of the comments around um, Warps are... Uh, astounding because he's been one of our best footballers this season. Um, he's, he's back to his Peter Crimmins, not, not quite the numbers and not quite the output because of the disposal efficiency, but everything that we've been basking in over the last three or four weeks that the media is starting to run with, he has absolutely been a key ingredient to that. And and you'd probably say that Nukes dropped off a little bit. We haven't seen Dylan Moore in the midfield. If you're looking at who the major improvers are this season that have contributed to everyone gushing about our midfield unit, it's Connor Nash, but more importantly, it's James Warple. So he's the first picked. Uh, I think he, he went at, um, I'm going to say, around 30% disposal efficiency by foot. Um, so, I mean, a 31.3. You probably, you probably, want, you probably uh, want that doubled, right? Like you want, you want him to go at about 60 by foot, don't you? Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think you necessarily mind it being slightly less than that when he's getting the meters gained. Cause a lot of the time in desperate situations, he is just hoofing it long and, that'll work half of the time, that won't work half of the time, and that will bring the numbers down. Um, and um, so I think it can be forgiven that 30% um, is low. Having said that, in terms of where we were at at half time and the domination of the midfield, he was, again, a key component of that. And at half time, he was clearly in our best players. So... Um, I think it's a bit harsh. I'd definitely give him a pass. I'd probably seem to be dishing out the five and a halves tonight. It's it's probably where I'd sit um, because he was fairly ineffective in the second half, particularly. But um, I, I'm on board. I think he's been a key cog to what we're trying to do um, and is going to be one of the first picked every week for the rest of the year. And this is why I got you on to talk about warps as well is because um, I think that 
the underselling of the value of Warps so far and the role he plays with this young midfield brigade is um, is is very evident, I think, in our supporter base. And I think, um, you know, you, you sort of highlighted that, that his improvement is a key component in why we've gone from where we were, which is really, really bad, uh, to where we are, which is, you know, uh, above average, which is really, really good. It's a huge improvement over the course of the year. Um, I'm going to move on to the captain, and there's a reason uh, why we've uh, changed the batting order uh, for this one. Our WhatsApp group post-game went hot, and I stepped away from my phone for a little bit and came back to about 106 messages. (laughs) And I think about 40% of them were on our captain. And and Daz, I'm going to throw to you. Sis had 21 touches. He had 9 and 12 with six marks, 314 metres gain. But really, I think the stats are kind of irrelevant tonight. I just want to hear your thoughts, A, on Sicily's game, and B, on how you felt he led as a captain in in a pretty ordinary second half. Yeah, well, I think the back line was absolutely shambolic. And I think everyone can agree that it was, you know, another game where we conceded, you know, well over 115 points. Um, what, what was it in the end? It was 117. And as a senior player in the back line, and we'll get to Sam Frost in a second, but the 50-metre penalty gives away the body language, the whole game. You're having a bad game. I think the sh- showing true leadership is actually keeping a level head and inspiring your team and holding things together. And when Sis is having a bad game, he's not showing leadership. He's he's in his own head. He's doing undisciplined things and his body language just just shows. So he's it's a learning curve for him as a leader. I still think he's an interim leader that's going to usher in the sort of next period of hopefully success for us with a different leadership group. Um, I just, you know, I think he was, the, I think he was really the only choice that they could have probably made in, in that position. So, um, you know, he's he's really got to learn from it because the back line was totally at sea and he's, he's you know, he's the captain back there. And um, yeah, it was, it was not a, not a great night for Sis at all. So I'm going to give him a four. I'm going to stay with you, Daz. Uh, Ned Reeves, the big noodle, after his best game for the year, probably his career last week against Tim English, um, crashed back down to earth is probably what I would suggest uh, this week. But he did tweak his ankle, I believe. Um, But he finished with eight touches, seven of those handballs. He only had 16 hitouts and fairly comprehensively beaten in the ruck by Sam Darcy. Yeah, I don't think he was 100% after coming back on. Um, and I was actually surprised to see him on. I thought that was going to be the night over for him. So it'd be really harsh for me to go after a player who just did not seem right. And it'll be interesting to see whether he gets up um, next week or Max Ramden, Ramsden, who had another great game at Box Hill, comes back in. Um, and Meek was, you know, was, was, was really good. So, yeah, I, I, I just don't think he was 100% Reeves and... It just, just again, did not do enough around the grounds, um, and was you know we we we, t- we tend to just see him dominate the hitouts, so something was not right. Um, feels unfair to even give him a score, to be honest. I'm still going to ask for <laughs> three. Thank you. 
this is a player ratings pod. It's hard to do it when you don't give player ratings. Just putting that out there. Um, we see number eight, and I and I flipped it back around because I want you to go hard if you deem necessary. Um, I don't want to give you all the soft, easy ones. Sam Frost. We've talked about him at various times throughout this season. I, I teed off on him, I think, after one game. Could have been the Cats, could have been the Swans. Um, yeah, and he he was back doing the bad frost ball stuff. Um, he had the 16 touches, nine and seven. He had five marks, but it was the non-disposal stuff that we really uh, want to unpack tonight. And um, I want to get your thoughts on that, please. And it could have been worse than it was. There are a few moments there was that uh, it should have been a free kick in the goal square when he just ran and jumped on top, of the, on top of Lockie Schultz and how he that wasn't a free. Uh, unbelievable. But the difficulty for me is there is what I actually think and there is the reality of the position that we're in at the moment. So what I actually think is he's the player that most of the time throughout any game, I say, how is he still in our team? Like he does that many things that are the bad frostball things that make me go, it's just not possible for him to keep getting a game with the amount of um, stuff-ups um, you know, we don't in these postcodes like to go too too dirty on the language, Prinzi. Um, well, with, I wouldn't know. <laughs> with the number of stuff ups, I mean, it's it's uh, it's six of one, half a dozen of the other. He had ten intercept possessions. Ten. That's a big number. That's a really big number. He also had seven clangers and five turnovers. And that's not including what you said, Prinzi, that the stuff where he falls over himself or he, an opponent just seamlessly loses him. Um, and it's bloody frustrating. But the flip side of that is we have no key defenders. And I mean key defenders to take on the gorillas. Um, listen to Sammy's press conference. And they asked specifically about his and Sis's 50-metre penalties uh, that they gave away that resulted in goals and, and the ill-disciplined side of things. And I haven't heard him back a player in as significantly as he did for Sam Frost. Started reeling through the stats, started talking about all the good stuff he did, didn't concentrate on any of the bad stuff at all talked about how he's been growing and developing as a player this year. And, I mean, it just shows. Uh, I think it's pretty clear that he's he's in. He's not going anywhere. Um, the, the added difficulty is I go, well, if we're going to lose conceding 117 points in a game anyway, I would rather see DGB play another 10 games, whether that's with him, whether that's instead of him. Um, I think, we, you know, I know time's of the essence, but the player I said at the start of the year in our crystal balling that could not be dropped this year was James Blank. 
And that is because if we're going to be one and seven through eight rounds, I'd rather a blank have played eight games and gotten experience since well that experience since we're losing games anyway. And it's the same for DGB, but I just think positionally, there's no way he's gonna drop out of the team because even if you bring them in, we still don't have the guys for the big monsters. Um, so yeah, I mean, I gave him a four. Uh, I, I was pretty frustrated with him throughout the night, especially early on. Um, but I, I don't think I don't think he's going to be leaving the team anytime soon. Uh, something to add to that, Daz? Yeah, well, with, with Sam Frost, sometimes I wonder if it's just because the, the bad things he does are just so damn noticeable. Like, it, 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 the mistakes are just magnified because they're just so spectacular in a lot of ways. And it overshadows the good things that he does. As you mentioned, um, we see, you know, 10 intercepts, his closing speed is brilliant. That huge hit uh, spoils. There's a lot of good parts to his game, but the bad stuff is so demonstrably bad that it's it's hard to forget about it. Totally agree. I think one of the issues is that any other player on, on our list that does stuff that's that bad does it once or twice every four or five games, not a couple of times every single game. So I think it's the accumulation of the really bad stuff that then actually makes you question about, I mean, that's just him as a footballer. And he's in real scapegoat ter- territory now. He is, every game Sam Frost is going to get blamed by supporters, even if he has a good game. He's going to have to have an absolutely incredible game, a run of incredible games to not be in the supporters' bad books. So Mistake-free. Mistake-free. No, I think that's exactly right. I think it, it doesn't need necessarily need to absolutely blanket a Jeremy Cameron in order to, um, you know, get the kudos from supporters. Supporters just don't want to see him, you know, kick a ball across goal and hit up a Frio player 25 metres out. That That's an example. Or like lose a marking contest and just push his opponent over, give him a 50 metre penalty when he was out 70 metres from goal and then he's 20 metres from goal. So it's those really, really, really brain dead moments that supporters struggle with, I think. And I found the Mitchell comments really interesting um, I understand that, you know, you can't have all young players in your back line, but if, if we've got defenders like blank and De- Granger brass that are playing well in the VFL, I struggle to see how they're going to fit into this team with Mitchell being very strong on Sicily as a key back and frost as his man. So it's going to be really interesting to see how this plays out over the course of the year, but maybe that's one we can deep dive a little bit more into on the Thursday night safe space. Uh, we'll move on to Carl Amon, uh, Daz. Um, another solid game by Carl, 25 touches, t- uh, 15 and 10, eight marks. He missed a gettable shot at goal, uh, 528 metres gain, uh, but he was far from our worst performer on on the night. Yeah, he's one of the few, I think, that get it, gets a pass mark and, you know, he would be disappointed to miss that goal because he's been so efficient in front of goal this year since coming across from Port Adelaide. So 
Uh, yeah, I thought I thought he was really tidy. He was he 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 was one of the few players that could hit up a target. Um, and I thought it was a really good game from him. So I'm going to give him a six and a half. Uh, Connor Nash, number 11, um, just keeps building on his uh, fantastic start to the season. Uh, 26 touches, 7 and 19, 8 tackles. He had 85% disposal efficiency, um, 12 contested possessions, 4 turnovers. He had 3 score involvements and eight clearances, including five center clearances, as well as in the first half, absolutely blanketing Caleb Sarong. We see we're really seeing the emergence of a genuine AFL midfielder here, aren't we? Yeah. I mean, what we've been hoping for is he get back to that run of form at the end of a couple of years ago where he was, I mean, this is this is what he was doing. Not quite the numbers uh, back then. He's clearly improved on that because um, I think what in the last three or four matches he'd probably be averaging about twenty-seven touches a game, um, and he had a quiet um, last quarter. But yeah, he he killed Sarong in the first first half, and I know Brad was a bit disappointed that he wasn't lined up on it. Andrew Brayshaw, who clearly tore us a new one, but the reality is until this game, Caleb Sarong, he's been their best footballer yep. by an absolute country mile. Yep. And to, to do that to him, not just to do that to him, what he was able to do himself, this is a big difference between him and Finn because yep. Finn can keep an... Ed Langdon to 12 possessions and you're happy with that defensively and he only gets nine touches of his own. If Connor hadn't done that to Caleb Sarong, we'd still be talking about what a good game he'd, done, he'd had just in his stats alone. Um, and some of the linking play with with Will Day and and Warps and, and work with um, Lloyd Meek in the middle was exceptional um and and he's already one of the most exciting things i think to have happened through eight rounds this season so fingers crossed he i wouldn't say keeps tracking in the same direction i'd be very very happy if he can keep this output consistent for the rest of the year um i gave him an eight out of ten and just to add weight to your eight out of 10, he also finished with a team high 21 pressure acts as well. So not only is he blanketing an opponent, finding his own footy, he's putting pressure on those around him that find it uh, before he does. I thought he was immense. Speaking of uh, special talents, Darren, everybody's favorite, the Hawks insiders own Will Day, uh, 26 touches, Split them in half, 13 and 13. He had four marks, two tackles, 19 pressure acts. He kicked a goal again. So we're seeing him and Newcomb kick goals in consecutive weeks, which has been an issue for Hawks in not having those goal-kicking midfielders. Um, and he just presented a really nice option all around the ground. And he's just adding to his resume in 2023, isn't he? Yeah, he's becoming a bit of a complete midfielder. And just his ability to evade players and break away from, you know, pressure situations and his goal as well, just a, a perfect example of how he's just one of those players where 
Um, the game just slows down and it just he just knew exactly what he was doing, took the other player out of it and slotted it very coolly. And that's just the sort of player he is and he's feeling confident in his body and he's getting uh, a, a pretty decent run at it and now after coming back from suspension. So just, yeah, I, I, I'm really loving what he's bringing, but then also how he's gelling with this midfield unit. And going back to Warpo, I just, you know, like I understand that the knock on him is his, his disposal and he's untidy, but that midfield unit is really what's, it's gelling really well. And I, I just, you would not mess with it at the moment because it's really fun. It's the only functional line that we have. Yeah, that's it. That's it. I, can, yeah. I was going to say, can I say it's the only thing that's working at the moment? You, you can, you can, because that's objectively true. Um, yeah. But yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give Willem uh, eight out of ten. Yeah, I thought, I thought he was unreal, and um, that that midfield unit's really exciting for the future because there's more to be added to it as well, and I think that's that sort of is what helps me sleep at night as a Hawthorne supporter is that, you know, this journey, we're seeing this already from these guys, the Warples, the Nashes, uh, and those two will play a role, but it'll be the Will Days, the Jai Newcombs, the Josh Wards, the Connor McDonald's, the Cam McKenzie's that carry them forward with those role players behind them, which is really, really exciting. Now, Dylan Moore, I'm yet to really have a full understanding of whether or not he is in the carry them forward or the role player role yet going forward. But he, I thought, was a little bit better than previous weeks. 19 touches, 13 and 6, 4 marks. He went at 68% disposal efficiency. He um, missed the goal he probably should have kicked. Seven score involvements, though, we see, which is, uh, which is good for um Maury because we know last year when he was up and about he was involved in everything good that Hawthorne did so good to see those numbers up high what were your thoughts on Dylan Moore yeah I'm gonna come at it from a um, put the stats away and and what did you see when you watch the game um and I just see someone who's not quite in form I think it's a funny sort of twilight zone that Kane Corns is all aboard the brown and gold train at the moment uh, and that at the same time, Dylan Moore's not elite. Uh, and and I think that's what we're comparing to, the fact that over the last couple of years, we have agreed with champion data that he's been an elite footballer. And I, I think it would be impossible to say that he's been that this season um I would I mean I now I know that our midfield is the only thing that is working and working well but in games where we've already lost such as the one that we saw I would get him back in the midfield to get him some confidence getting his hand around the ball because that's sort of what sparked him over the last couple of years getting those midfield minutes and getting getting the touches before pushing back into that running half forward role. Um, I just didn't see him have much of a contribution despite the, you know, 19 touches. Um, so I actually gave him, I gave him a four and a half. Serves me right for leading in with the positivity. Um, number four do, you think, do you think that's harsh, Prinzy? Uh, no, look, I look. I thought he was better than previous weeks. To be honest, I thought 
he looks like a man to me that is out smack bang out of form, but he's also a man that's trying a little bit too hard to find form and um and and trying to bite off more than he needs to or be more than he needs to to the team. I think there's a level of pressure on him that he's probably placing on himself as a vice captain. Um I think he just needs to go out and enjoy his footy to be honest because he he is a he's a very very good player. Um and he just needs to take that pressure off himself, just go out there, find the footy, use it well. And I think the rest will look after itself. So, um, yeah, look, four and a half. You are here to rate. I'm here to host. So let's go with that. And we'll move on to Jack Scrimshaw. Um, 16 touches, 10 and six for Jack. He spent 67% in the defensive half, but he also bobbed up and kicked a goal when playing forward. Um, he had four turnovers, uh, three marks and 329 meters gained Darren an interesting night for Jack Scrimshaw yeah well it's been an interesting year and a confusing year as you you said we see in the uh, in the match recap turf toe I still don't know what that is should probably just google it um I reckon don't it's probably going to be one of those <laughs> ones you google and you yeah. see images and you're like I wish I didn't google this like so. the lacerated tongue yeah, um, yeah adventure still... that I had a few weeks ago that I'm still scarred from <laughs> But, uh, you are the Hawks Insiders Club doctor, so I think you should. Des. That's that's right. Yeah, maybe I'll just tell me how this man wear. Maybe I'll just get Chat GPT on the case for me. But um, Screamer, uh, you know, he's 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 not really coming. He's not really at his best at the moment. I think there there is some kind of niggle there, and um, it feels harsh to. To judge him at the moment, but I, you know, like I'm, I really back the scrimmer going forward as opposed to Hardwick going forward because he looks pretty comfy up there. Um, he's a really good set shot, and he offered a bit um, up that end of the ground. I would, I'm, I'm just happy that um, Sam Mitchell has just stopped the Blake Hardwick going forward experiment, and scrimmer being the the swing man um, kind of makes sense to me. Um, and so maybe it is a long-term thing. I, I still think his best place is down back. Um, and I just hope that he gets over what, what's been niggling him this year in the back end of the year. So I'm going to give him a five. Blake Hardwick, speaking of uh, former swingmen, uh, Blake Hardwick had 23 disposals, 10 and 13. He had 10 marks, which I believe was a team high. Um he had three turnovers, seven intercept possessions. One of his marks was contested. He had 303 meters gained, which is pretty low for Blake. Uh, how did you see his output on the weekend, We see. Yeah, I'm going to be a little bit controversial and say, um, again, based on the eye test, uh, it wasn't actually a great game for him. I feel like the stats are fantastic, but I think he only had a couple of possessions to maybe court at time. Um, and he actually ended one possession to court at time. He actually ended up being that player that was the key link in the switch. So you know, those marks you're talking about, I'd suggest that eight or nine of them are uncontested, I think. Um, I, I imagine, again, three quarters of his possessions are uncontested and the reason his metres gained weren't significant is because he's kicking the ball sideways. Prince, yeah, you're, abs 
You're absolutely right. And I think that to add some context for our listeners, um, seven of his 10 marks were in the last quarter. Game's dead. It's As Brad says, the last quarter is completely irrelevant. So um, that probably takes the gloss off and probably adds a bit of weight to your eye test uh, measure, measuring stick, Weezy. You know what? If you've been doing it in the second or third quarter when it's part of stopping the rot and just trying to control the ball down back, then... It's a bit more significant, but, you know, hearing that about the last quarter, um, again, like I mentioned earlier with Jars, his non-contribution effectively to a dysfunctional um, back line, we could almost rate all of the backmen together and give them a combined score, but um, I've given him a four and a half out of ten as well. Uh, the sub, Lockie Bramble, Jazz, uh, came on in the third quarter, had nine disposals for the game, um, a bit non-eventy. Um, won't go into too many details on his game. What did you think? Yeah, I didn't really notice him, to be honest. I mean, it, it took me until the last quarter to actually realise he was on the ground. So I don't know if this is enough of a sample size to have, have him keep his place. He's been playing really, really well at Box Hill. And what's really apparent is he's he's kind of one of those players that's in that purgatory where he's just way too good for Box Hill. But then the AFL seems to step, step up too high. So it's it's interesting. It's going to be really interesting to see whether he comes back in. Um, I think CJ will probably um, get his spot there on the halfback line and, and Bramble will go back to Box Hill. Um yeah, it's interesting because he was a highly touted wingman when we brought him in, um, and he's been playing at halfback, and just we've just have so many half halfbackmen at the moment. So why not have him on the wing? Um, yeah, I'm not really sure where 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 things go from here for Bramble. So going to give him a four. Lloyd Meek. Weesey, um started like a house on fire, um, faded, I'd say, considerably um, after halftime, like most of the football club, to be fair. Um, mate, um, finished with 12 disposals, three kicks, six handball, uh, nine handballs, six marks, which is probably, I would hazard a guess to say that's a season high for any Ruckman at Hawthorne this year. Um, two turnovers, including one shocker, where I think he took a mark and then laid on and kicked it straight to a Freo player, or I can't remember exactly what it was, but I just remember thinking that's what Ruckman do when they make decisions they shouldn't make. Um, battled hard against um, Sean Darcy, got overpowered in the end, but finished with 24 hit outs. Your thoughts on his game, Big Meeky? Yeah, it was clearly his best game for us. And, you know, we talk about how good we were looking early in the game. Um, need to remember that uh, Ned Reeves had gone down early and he took a lot of the load in the first quarter um, when we were absolutely dominating. Um, there were a number of pure Ruckman taps straight down the throat uh, of our of our mids, um, he went at 42% hit outs to advantage versus Reeves, who went at just under 19%. 
So um, perhaps that's more a reflection on Reeves, but it was clearly Meek's best game. And, you know, it, it, what it did was help um, just give us that reminder about all the excitement we had leading into the season about what he could become. He's still actually just a kid um, and that we got to see some of, you know, what he was doing at Box Hill last week in the ones. Um, So I thought he was serviceable um, and tried his guts out. So I gave him a six out of 10. And can I just say, um, we might need to get our statisticians Mora or um or Ash to have a look at this through the week, but you talked about um CJ coming back, Daz. If um if CJ were to come back for a let's just say Josh Weddle, uh, and the rest of the team remained as is, we would have numbers one to seventeen all playing. In our that's got to be a record. That's got to oh, be. You're a record. shaking your head. I'm that's got to be. Well, no, that's just missed? made me. That's making me super excited because I think I mentioned this on a pod a week or two ago. My God, isn't that um, isn't that good? I mean, we went so long with number one being retired oh, for the, the fans. fans. Number. Um. So, uh, yeah, one to seventeen. That would be absolutely outstanding. So, I mean, that in itself is. Um, Daz, I'm sure you'd agree a reason why Lockie Bramble would just have to hold his spot, even if it's as a sub. Yeah, I mean, what a that's how teams should always be picked, right? Just consecutive numbers. It's not. It's got nothing to do with anything else. <laughs> it also means it also means we're nearly 17 players deep into this pod. Yeah, that is that is very true. It also means we're we're scraping the bottom of the barrel after what round eight to say to speak about <laughs> positive things. So we're in for a long year. Uh, moving on to number twenty, we're skipping a couple of numbers, unfortunately. Number twenty, Chad Wingard, twelve touches, seven and five, six marks. He kicked a goal. Uh, he had five turnovers. He went at seventy five percent disposal efficiency. And had eight pressure acts. I think we're up to Daz. I've forgotten now. Daz, um, the Chad is polarizing Hawthorne supporters. Or he's probably uh, he's probably got to a point where Hawk supporters have completely flicked off him. Where do you sit on the Chad experience? Yeah, he's in full scapegoat zone now, along with Sam Frost. Um, unfortunately for Chad and. You know, Sam Mitchell in the post-match spoke a lot about our inability to keep it locked into our forward 50 and the ball went in a lot in that first half. And you just got to look at those numbers, eight pressure acts, zero tackles. Um, it's a big reason why we we can't keep it in our forward, uh, forward half. Ball goes over um, and they get easy goals. And not only Chad's fault, but he's just a square peg in a round hole at the moment. Sounds like an absolute cliche, but he's at, he's at the wrong, wrong club for himself. He's at the wrong club for our our development. I cannot see Chad Wingard playing at Box Hill. I just mentally can't even imagine it. Just, it just what hap- what happens from here for Chad because he's just he's he's too talented a player 
with 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 his traits to just languish at box hill for the rest of the year but he's just offering us nothing at the moment and that set shot from you know 30 odd out where it didn't even make the distance i mean i i, I don't know what's going on I, I really i really don't i don't know if it's fitness i don't know if it's attitude hmm. he's got to be thinking about a new club for next year because i just cannot see it working um post the season at hawthorne for him Reese, anything two. from anything for what two? Anything from you to add on on Wingard? And do you agree with Daz's rating? Yeah, I do. I mean, I've been uh, I've been one of the one of the last to um to flip flop to the other side because I've always been on Chad's um on Chad's side. Uh, even to the point where, you know, we were making excuses last season for uh, he breaks games apart in the midfield, just play him in the midfield. And if he breaks down, he breaks down. But let him be his X factor in the midfield. And uh, that's not the issue here. The issue is he, um, you know, I mean, Daz summed it up perfectly. And, and he just, with such a young list, whether it's just because that's how it is or not, you just can't seem to be so disinterested. Yeah, he looks like, like he doesn't care. We I'm, not saying, that. I'm not saying he doesn't care. I'm yeah. saying it looks like he doesn't care. And, and that I perception think... for a young yep. playing list is everything, regardless of if you know, you know, know him and know that that's just him. So, um, yeah, to a two could be the lowest rating I think Daz you've ever given. Um, and that, I think so. It's probably but, sums up where we're at with him. But can you boys honestly see him playing at Box Hill? Like I just mentally can't imagine that, that, might, that happening. Might be a classic case of uh, rested or, or fake injury. You reckon Daz? So managed. General managed. soreness until the end of the year. Yep. Yep. All right, moving on. Josh Ward, uh, 15 disposals, nine and six. He had, uh, I'll just bring that up. He had three marks and one tackle, 133 meters gained and a goal assist. We see probably about two thirds of what we want to see from Josh Ward. Yeah, I'm pleading the fifth. I'm taking the Fifth Amendment and raising. Um, I'm waving my rights to. Uh, you know what? I think, Prinzi, There's a couple of times I think I mentioned it with certain players last year that you uh, agreed with quite a bit, and that is, you know what? It's going to happen. He's going to have some games where he has zero impact. He's a kid. He's learning his craft. Um, he didn't do the frost stuff that makes us go, yeah, but he only had 15 touches and three of them were absolute stinkers um, or, or like a Harry Morrison. So I feel like we can just move on and go, you know what, great experience, another game under the belt, another game on a bigger oval in, uh, in Perth, another trip with all of the boys on the plane part of that bonding experience, move on to next week. Um, and, and I'd give him a four. 
Fergus Green, Daz, you might, you might just give a worse rating than your last rating, which was your record. Four touches for the Ferg. He's backed up last week's uh, shocker with another. Four touches. Four of them were handballs. He had minus five meters gained. That's the first time I've actually ever seen that uh, in the stats book. Minus five meters gained, and he was subbed in the third quarter, having, I mean, no impact whatsoever on the contest. Now, does you are along with my good self, uh, one of the biggest Ferg believers in the Hawks insiders. We we love the Ferg. We love what he did at Box Hill. That's two in a row now. Should we be concerned? Yeah, I mean, he he did one good thing in the first quarter that that kind of steal where he they were they were streaming out of the back line true won the footy leads to mcdonald goal he's got he's i i think he's afl standard um and i think he's just you know he's 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 working his way back to this level and there's just going to be games like this there's two games in a row that is that he's been poor um and i i I think he'll get another chance next week, hopefully. I think he'll be read the riot acts. Um, and you know what? If he doesn't, he'll go back to Box Hill and he'll pick a bag and he'll go back and he'll go back with the right attitude because I think that's the kind of guy that he is. So um, I'm concerned about Fergus Green, but for me, it was always just a speculative um, kind of promotion in a sense with, with Green. So, you know, we didn't we didn't sell a really prom we didn't give up a really promising player and 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 draft picks and you know it was it was always a sort of free hit with Green. So when he kicks three goals, it's a massive bonus. But when he has a game like that, you you just kind of wonder what the future looks like for him and where he's going to be part of a successful forward line for us. But I'd like to see him get another week. Rating. Uh, two and a half. Oh, I knew he was going to do that. You can set your watch to it. Um, look, I, I I agree with everything you said about Fergus, and I think I think he's the sort of forward also that he's not a towering tall forward. Dermy told us that four times last on the weekend, but um, he he will thrive on good delivery. He we didn't get any of that last the other night, so um, he he he's not going to jump on heads. He needs good, clean delivery into the forward line to succeed. And and until we start doing that a bit more, he's going to have nights like he had on Saturday night. Connor McDonald back in the team, back in our hearts. Um, 12 disposals, eight and four, playing on a half forward flank after dominating in the midfield for Box Hill. He kicked a nice goal from Ferg's uh, one positive input for the day um, and loves a goal almost as much as Dylan Moore. Um, we see, how did you see Connor McDonald's return to the AFL team? Yeah, well, it was a great goal uh, backing up Daz's, um, Daz's comments around the Ferg's mother dish off and running through. It looked like he was uh, potentially going to get caught at one point, but he kicked truly and, seeing a mid-type be able to stream in and kick those goals is always good to see. Um, uh, I mean, he, he clearly didn't have enough impact on the game. And similar to the comments about Ward, it's it's another one under the belt and, and you move on. 
I guess the only question is with our midfield doing so well, and, and Prinzi, you'll know this better than others. I, I actually don't know. I assume he's got all of the tools from what we've seen that he's playing at half forward flank, and that that's a really difficult position to play in, especially if you're good enough to be developed into a gun mid. With our midfield unit doing so well i mean is that is that what we've recruited him for to be a, become a part of that midfield unit i think so yeah absolutely look he was a dominant midfielder um uh in his underage years and um at rep level and all of that sort of stuff so um i think he averaged something like 30 disposals a game for the dandy stingrays in under 18s um it's pretty he... tricky having to come in and I mean, I love the way you just change your position, but also not not be in a position to get anywhere near it as much. Like if if he was playing a full game as a midfielder, you assume he's he's getting twenty five touches a game. Well, he got thirty seven last week playing for Box Hill as a pure midfielder, so he can he can win the footy. That's for sure. I think we've seen he's a little, can be a little untidy by foot sometimes when he's playing through the middle. Now, I'm not sure if, like, he's not on his own in the Hawthorne midfield, let me tell you. But I'm not sure if they're just trying to get him to develop an another side of his game. Maybe they see him as a long-term midfield option, but they want him to be the goal-kicking midfielder that the, that the Hawks unit needs or something like that because there's got to be a reason they're developing him on a half-forward flank. The other one is you can only play so many players in the midfield at any one game, right? So um, yeah. if you're playing Nash, if you're playing Warple, if you're playing um, Day and Newcomb and you're running Ward through there and you're, you know, whoever else you're putting in there, like where do these minutes go to? They can't all play midfield. And the Doggies had this same issue a couple of years ago and in the end have sort of moved on guys like Josh Dunkley. So um, it is it is an issue. It is an issue. So I feel all of that, which makes perfect sense. I mean, I'm giving him a four and a half, but I think that that's with a, with a waiting it's probably worth a bit more because of that out of position factor. And I feel like, you know, we talk about development. We talk about what we're doing with all of our kids. He's a massive watch for me over the next, or the rest of this season and well into the next around. If that's the case, when do you... When do we see the transition, yeah? When do yeah. we pull the trigger on it? Yeah, and it yeah. might not necessarily be straight into the midfield. It might be to a half-back role. Like, but but that's a massive watch for me because I love yeah. him. Yeah. Um, but it's hard to give him a pure rating because you know this is all part of the learning. Absolutely. Um, another one that's probably pretty tricky to give a rating to Daz, Tyler Brockman, nine disposals, only two of them kicks, seven handballs, he kicked a point. He had three marks and three tackles and one goal assist himself. That was to, I believe it was for Will Day's goal and it was a very nifty bit of footwork there. Um, Tyler Brockman, he's also copped a weak suspension for the sling tackle. Uh, your thoughts on his game back home in WA? 
we had a theory before this game that he played the interstate games better because he got a good night's sleep, but this wasn't a great one by Brocky. No, it wasn't. Um, but you, I mean, you just see enough from Brocky that he's going to be a, a really handy player. Um, and he's, I feel like he's, he's close to just breaking a game open. Um, he, I, I know he's really young, but he's, got all the tools. I mean, he got that set shot from the boundary horribly wrong when I thought he was going to absolutely drill it. He just looks so... He always looks like absolutely nothing phases him. Um, yeah, and, and he just absolutely like got that kick so wrong. Couldn't have got it... Couldn't have hit it um, wrong. Uh, more wrong. Wronger. Um, but yeah, Brocky... <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> just like Brocky's kick. God, that's late. Um, yeah, but yeah, Brocky's uh, another one in the camp of you know he he gets a a pass mark. Let's move on. It's minutes in the tank, and um, you know he's he's developing nicely, and he's got to keep his spot. Number thirty-seven, Andrew Weiss, Josh Weddle, twelve disposals, playing as a third key defender. Um, he had four and eight. He took two, three marks, two marks. Uh, and had three tackles. Um, we had hyped up this kid as an athletic beast that runs all day, that was going to terrorize opposing wingmen. And we'd seen him at Box Hill playing a multitude of roles, mainly through midfield and on the wing, a little bit on a halfback flank. He's playing as a legitimate third key defender in the role that, I think Eddie, everybody had earmarked for Denver Granger Barras this year. What is going on at Hawthorne? And what did you think of Josh Weddle's game on the weekend? Yeah, words out of the mouth, Trinzi, right out of my mouth. Because it's like, if I talk about it being hard to rate Connor McDonald, uh, like copy and paste half of the stuff in the Sam Frost discussion around roles and having defenders that aren't playing, that can play roles and giving them game time, how Weddle can be playing as effectively a key defender and deep, like how often was he the last line on the last line of defence or deep inside a back pocket? And so, I mean... Again, oh, there, are, there are much smarter brains at play with what is going on at the club, but um, it's, it's just so unfair. Like, it's so unfair because it, cause he can run. So even if he's playing at half back and 30 or 40 metres further up the ground and the opportunity to run or on a wing, it's a different story in terms of what we're going to get from him. And if it's a third person up that we need, play DGB or play James Blank, allowing Sis to even more so come cutting in as that third third up. So, yeah, it's, it's a little bit disappointing, but you just kind of have to go, well, they know what they're doing. Yeah. Rating? Uh, I gave him a four out of ten, and that's through no—that's through no fault of his own. 
Yeah, and that was a three that got converted into a four as it was coming out of Oisey's mouth, just for the listeners to know. 100%. 100%. Um, just... and, and I think the question for me, Daz, and I, I do want to get your feedback on this too. I think the question for me is, we, we know Weddle can play as a key defender. He did it in his junior year. He was actually all Australian centre-half back and um, full-back in the NAB League team of the year or switch those around. So he played on big key forwards. He played on small, dangerous forwards. He can do the job. I think the confusion for Hawks supporters is the way he was built up over preseason and the roles he was playing and then we get him into the team, we get excited about seeing him and then we're playing him as a dower defender on the last line and it's like, what what's going on here? Yeah, your guess is as good as mine. It's not like he's been playing in that role in Box Hill either. So, you know, putting the tinfoil hat back on. Oh, I love it when you do this. <laughs> maybe they maybe they did draft him as a, as a defender because they didn't break Denver. I don't know. I don't know. And, and they just, you know, like who who knows? Maybe they do see those traits in him and maybe they want to give it a crack at, at AFL level and see what they've got. Um, I didn't think he did badly, but yeah, he's, it's, it's always really hard, you know, at the best of times playing your first year of footy, let alone as a uh, lockdown, you know, tall defender in, in, you know, two games in. So yeah, I feel for him at the moment. Also had to play uh, on noted Hawthorne killer and Jewel Brownlow medalist Nat Fife when he came on too. So that's a baptism of fire for the young fella. Um, the final player in our player ratings pod this evening is one of my favourites, Seamus Mitchell. Uh, 14 disposals, 10 kicks, 4 handballs, 4 marks, a tackle, 146 metres gained. Um, thought he was relatively solid. Daz, um, what did you think of Seamus's uh, game? He he also had 80%, 86% disposal efficiency, one of the few that actually used the ball fairly well on Saturday night when he got it. He did. I think there was a one poor turnover maybe there in the was second one. half. There, was a, there yeah. was a shocker. Yep. There was a shocker. But I just, you know, I think for Seamus at least, that, that seems to be a bit of an outlier. I think he actually is one of the players that uses it pretty well by foot and I'm liking his aggression and energy and the way that he attacks a footy. Um, he was a bit quieter than he's been in, in the other two games, but um, I'm actually really enjoying what he's bringing and uh, that, that, that level of aggression and yeah, that the, that sort of dynamic dynamism that he's got as a player um, and, and that elite kicking as you, as you like to talk about Prinzi. So yeah, pretty hard game again to to rate. So four and a half. We will finish it up by getting your thoughts, Andrew Weiss, on Sam Mitchell and his coaching performance against Justin Longmuir on the weekend. Yeah, do you know what? I, I don't think he can be... I mean, the blame in terms of how we went down, uh, I, I don't think it's as a direct result of his coaching. Uh, I feel like, again, we could have been a, a couple of goals up easily by half halftime. Um, and when the wheels fell off, he tried a few different things. What I did like is, again, listening to his press conference, 
he was visibly not happy. Uh, and there are a couple of a couple of comments um, where you know he would say something like, "Oh, I'm getting a bit sick of saying this," or um, you know, notably frustrated. And we, you talk about that Sh Seamus Mitchell turnover. Uh, at that point, there are about three or four in a six-minute passage, and it was like, okay, we've got a chance to rebound here. Kick goes straight to an opposition player. And um, I don't think initially that's of his doing. So, uh, I mean, he gets a pass because he's continuing to play with the game, the game plan and what is happening through our midfield is genuinely genuinely exciting so exciting and i mean look at his background he's clearly a key in that because he's one of the best mids we've ever had at our football club so yeah oh, i i think uh, learning experience he just needs to make sure he can get his message across in terms of everything that went wrong Absolutely. As uh, as our listener and good friend Mick Cowan said on the Thursday Night Safe Space last week, you win or you learn. Well, the Hawks got absolutely learned on the weekend and hopefully they pick up a few lessons from it as well. So interesting to see how we unpack this a little bit more in our Thursday Night Safe Space this week. Um, if we wind Brad up and let him go on the long run, um, that would be good. We are going to wrap it up there. The Hawks head into next weekend on Saturday, May the 13th. They are going to face the Melbourne Demons at the MCG, a Hawthorne home game uh, at 4.35 p.m. Uh, on Saturday afternoon. Um, I can't say I'm looking forward to that one. I feel like it has all the hallmarks of another bath. But uh, we will hope the Hawks bring the effort. Um, thank you so much to Darren Levine and Andrew Weiss for your contributions this evening, for your incredible player ratings. Um, Daz, congratulations on giving your lowest score ever. Um, and thank you so much to all of our listeners. Um, we wouldn't do this and we can't do this without you. And we're, we're really, really grateful for you joining us on this ride. Um, please join us as a subscriber. If you aren't already, uh, $5 a month, $50 for the year, plenty of content coming up on our Substack. Also a couple of, uh, interviews coming up with some key Hawthorne figures, and we really look forward to having your support and continuing to grow this Hawks Insiders community. Thank you all again, and we'll talk to you next time. Thanks so much for listening to Hawks Insiders. Head to our Substack for more quality analysis, special features, news, interviews, and so much more. 